You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahraven.com. Welcome to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange, the podcast of me, Sarah Raven, and my great mate, Arthur Parkinson. Now, we're doing a rare thing today, which is we're actually going to have a three-way conversation, which Arthur and I agreed we wouldn't do again because we found three-way was quite difficult when we're remote with COVID because we kept interrupting each other. But today, we are in our nursery in Lincolnshire, and it's just so incredibly exciting to be here, particularly because I really wanted to chat to David Robinson, who runs Rookery Farm, which is the nursery. And I wanted to chat to him about how he came to be a nurseryman, what he loves about being a nurseryman, the challenges, and kind of how we came to work together. And then also just challenges of of working in a modern environment in terms of employment, but also in terms of sustainability. Arthur and I just thought it'd be really, really lovely to kind of interview David to an extent about all things plant nursery for online. So everything going out in the post. So welcome, David. It's lovely to have you here. Well, for you to have us here, actually. (laughs) That's fine. Not the other way around. (laughs) Welcome. We're pleased to see Arthur here as well as your first visit to Rookery Farm. First amazing visit. Hope you've enjoyed it. In awe of you. It's incredible what you've done here. Well, you're welcome back anytime. Anyway, I've had to come on. Yeah, it's on not too own. far from where I'm no, from. That's it. Come and have a look around and see what we get, get up to. So, David, first of all, how, how did your family come to live here? And tell us about the history of the place. Uh, my family came here in uh, 1918. Mm. Uh, one of my uh, my great great grandfather uh, was in a pub in Sleaford in Lincolnshire when they were auctioning off some properties. He happened to see this property being sold and he thought that was a a cheap price. So he actually bought it and he, unfortunately, he never set foot on the place. He died before he even see it. Oh, no. Uh, His son had died as well. So it left, come down to my grandfather who came onto the property and he came on a bicycle in 1918 Mm. when, when the road was just a grass track. Wow. So uh, he wasn't a farmer or anything, so he took took over the the property and uh, had to learn quickly how to make a living from farming. Okay. This was just at the end of the First World War. Wow, that's amazing. You've been here such a long time. Yes, I've been in the family for over 100 years. And so then your dad was, was it your dad or your mum, which was at the maternal or paternal side? The grandfather who bought yes, it. on my paternal side. Okay. So, so it was in the Robinson name all the way through. Right. Uh, my grandfather took up farming and seemed to take that to a duck to water. So mm. he uh, managed to uh, marry a local girl and uh, carried on the farming, managed to buy some more land and expand a bit the, the business as he went on. My grandmother on the maternal side was a very entrepreneurial person as well. She got a milk round and done various things to subsidise the farming. So even in those early years, in you know, between the war years, farming had to be subsidised by something else. So mm. subsidising farm is nothing new, really. Mm. 
So it was just a small arable farm, right. less than 50 acres, but they made a living by having different animals, cows, pigs, and, and uh, carried on that way and just tried to expand the farm as they went along. And fantastic soil, like really deep, peaty. This, this is, we're in the fens of Lincolnshire here, mm. where there's best land in the... Uh, in Lincolnshire, mm. but uh, unfortunately, rookery farms on some of the heavier land, what they call grade two land. Okay. So it's not really suitable for uh, potatoes and high value crops, but it was good for uh, cereals, peas, beans, and that type of thing. Okay. And so you were born here? Yeah, I was born here in 1958, into uh, the original farmhouse on this site. I uh, went to local school. Uh, left school and I wanted to be an engineer. So I studied engineering at uh, college, went to a local engineering college. But uh, unfortunately, my uh, father became ill, so I was expected to come home and help right. on the farm, which which I did. So uh, I took up to farming, but I wasn't really in, into it in a big way, but uh, I was quite handy. I was managed to maintain the machinery, build some machines and wanted to do different things and uh, carried on from there. Then when I got married and my wife, uh, she used to grow some, Elaine used to grow some flowers in the garden, mm-hmm. some uh, Doris Pinks and was selling them to local uh, nurseries and market traders. One of my old school friends used to call in on a Friday night and buy five pounds worth of flowers for his wife. Wow. So uh, I would uh, kept in touch with an old school friend and he worked for a uh, an online nursery, which all those years ago was quite unusual. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was Marshall Seeds when it was in ba- based in Wisbech. By then my wife had got a few polytunnels in the glass house. So uh, this friend inquired what we was going to put in the polytunnels over the winter. We said we hadn't got anything planned, so uh, he said, would we grow some sweet pea plants for him? So autumn-grown sweet peas. Mm. So I've been growing sweet peas for 20 years. Have you? <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. Well, you're certainly growing a lot of sweet peas now. Yeah. Anyway, back to the history. Back to the history. So uh, the plan was that we was to grow these autumn-sown sweet peas for Marshalls. We used to grow them in black bulb trays. When they was ready in the spring, we was to give them a ring. They were going to come up with trucks, pick them up, take them to their place in Wisbech and pack them. Mm. So it sounded nice plan, good idea. Of course, gets these uh, plants all ready in the spring, brings a friend up. These plants are already going to come and bring your trucks and fetch them up. Oh, well, no, we're quite busy at the moment. How about if uh, we come down to you, brought you the boxes, the invoices and all the paperwork, could you put them into the packaging and we'll arrange for raw mail to come and pick them up in the evening. Wow. There was me, my wife, my father and my mother. So there was only four of us with about a quarter of a million of these sweet pea plants. So So it's quite a challenge. Anyway, we got stuck stuck into it and uh, recruited some local grandmothers and uh, got the hose packed and got it all done. Fine, got the job done for them. Thought that was the end of that. Anyway, about three months later, they come round. Oh, that worked well. Could we do twice as many next year? I said, yeah, well, we've done that. We'll, we'll get more organised next year. We'll Off we'll go. So that's what we did. We doubled it up the next year, and that's how we started in the online gardening. Wow, that's fantastic. 
And then fast forward a bit. So then how did you and I start working together? I think you and I came in contact with uh, Lyndon Mason, who was a rep for a chrysanthemum company, Decanova. I think you had all just started your online business and you were having them packed by somebody in Norfolk, I think. That's it. And uh, they'd made rather a mess of it. So you had asked Lyndon if he knew anybody who you thought would, could pack them. And he, I think he mentioned uh, Rookery Farm. Uh, so you rang me up. I can remember you ringing me up. I was on a beach in Devon. <laughs> Were you? <laughs> <laughs> so even then you were disturbing my holidays. <laughs> Cheeky. <laughs> so... Uh, Anyway, we arranged to uh, pack some chrysanthemums for you. So the, the first year, uh, the, the total number of orders was 500 orders of chrysanthemums. So uh, we, we seem to do that for, for you okay. And then the next year you come on to us asking us to pack other things. So I think that's 14 years ago, Sarah. So, Is it? Yeah. Is that right? So, well, that's very good. I had brown hair then, not grey. You had brown hair then. <laughs> it's true, David, you did. So now, obviously, I mean, it's incredible here. There's, is it like, I, mean, I don't know, I'm very bad at distances, but it feels like acres of greenhouses to me, David, that you've, you've put up here over the years. But the thing that I find very exciting about it is how future-oriented you are and how kind of mutually interested we are as a company and you are with the whole sustainable issue. And so I just wondered whether you'd, you'd tell me the sort of history of the different things, like first of all, it was the biomass boiler and then and then and then. So I just wondered if you'd chat us through that. Uh, yes, we started with biomass boilers about 12 years ago. Even then, energy was quite expensive, so we were looking for a solution to heat the glass houses, which was cost-effective. And we'd come across a local firm from Spalding who were just getting into biomass boilers and uh, actually developing a boiler of their own. The manager of this company, we'd known him for years, so we'd done a deal with him to install a boiler on Rookery Farm, and they basically used it for their testing. Mm. So uh, we've developed boilers with them as they've gone along. Mm. This boiler is it's a they're batch fed boilers which we can burn waste wood on, uh, sort of waste broken pallets, demolition timber, anything wood that's uh, nice and dry and will will burn well, and they've proved fantastic things. And so you literally can load them up uh, sort of once or twice a day, and they and they will just keep the whole place frost free. Yeah, during the day we can we can load them only only once. During during the night in a really cold weather, we perhaps have to load them two or three times. Right. But uh, one of the guys will get up in the night and just re- reload them with a forklift truck. Wow. Okay. And I mean that's what's impressive is obviously there's no oil, but also it's not like you're burning fine timber. It's obviously you know it's just like where you see here. There's this massive barn which is just full of crushed old pallets which would literally just go into landfill yeah, i suppose yeah. all, all, all the fuel you see would have gone into landfill yeah mm. so not only we're we producing heat and energy f- from this waste we're saving all, all that going into landfill so yeah. it's really yeah. really a good thing yeah fantastic and then what about water because that's another thing that obviously there's a huge amount of water needed here to keep everything fresh and lovely and growing well Oh, well, as like everybody else, what we started with was using the mains water. Yeah. But 
as times went on, the nursery got larger and larger. We were unable to get enough water out of the main, so we had to look at solutions to uh, come up with that. So the first thing, we uh, built a small reservoir and started collecting the rainwater from the glass houses, the pack house roofs, and recycling that. That was good, but it wasn't... As the nursery grew, we had to catch more and more water, so now we're up to four reservoirs. Wow. We can actually hold 20 million litres of water. Wow. So at the present, we're 100% sustainable. Don't have to take any water to put the nursery out of the mains. That's incredible. That's incredible. And also, the thing that I love is that it's not just the water that's reused, but all the greenhouses, they're not brand spanking new. It's like David finds a friend down the road who is retiring or whatever, and he goes and dismembers this, these entire massive greenhouses and then puts them up here on site so it's not like they're you know they're recycled too aren't they even the glass houses yeah and uh, the ones we brought in from holland as well they were second hand as well so you Mm. buy it but a square meter in holland you ship it over here so we're using you know a lot of other people's casts off really and Mm. recycled glass glass. (laughs) yeah so uh it's, it's a win-win for everybody, really. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's and not that, just me doing it, Osiris. I've got a team of guys here, you know. No, I realise you're who've not. With, no. Who've been with us for years. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'm not Mr. Marvelous, you know. But, no. But uh, you're not Superman. Not times Superman on my own. Well, yeah. you are Superman, but you have got a lot of help <laughs> with being Superman. And then um, tell us also about pest and disease control. So, how, how is that done now? Pest and disease control, we're now trying to use biological controls like yeah. everybody else. The chemicals have been taken off the market, what we used, and we viewed that some of them were safe, you know. But uh, we're trying to do the best thing now, especially with the, the bees and the nicotinoids. You know, we cut all that out altogether. And, yeah. uh, so everything's grown without the use of chemicals. Yeah. And, I mean, I remember once we had a, um, we had a problem maybe 10 or 12 years ago with some problem with sweet peas. And because we weren't using chemicals, I th- I th- we lost like most of the crop one year, I-, I-, I remember. But I would rather go that way than spray everything to within an inch of its life. I mean, that, that I think it's a much better, more future-oriented way of looking at it. Oh, definitely. We can't, we can't like you said, years ago, stuff was sprayed two or three times a week sometimes yeah. you know that, that yeah. day's over now you yeah. know we've got to try and particularly think in of the environment enclosed yeah. environment yeah. exactly exactly and so i suppose the other maybe final issue or maybe not to do with environmental subjects and sustainability is the great kind of question mark is about peat and there's such active debate going on at the moment so the rhs are quite I think, in my view, quite rightly, saying it's not to be used anymore and they will completely ban it within the next two or three years. And you've been doing lots of work here, haven't you? I mean, I know all the cutting and plant potting on compost is now entirely peat-free, isn't it? Yeah, that's entirely peat-free. We're finding that quite easy to control. Uh, Where we're struggling with the peat-free is the small cuttings and and the seedlings. Mm. So... Potting up a plant into a P9 in the peat-free compost is working quite well. It's different. It's not the same. The, the girls on the mach- on the pot doing the potting don't like it. It's loose and fibrous. Doesn't hold the water as good. Doesn't hold the nutrients as good. But we can can use it. And the plants, you know, by a bit of change of husbandry, 
Mm. We can grow, you know, good plants in it. If you've walked around the nursery today, Sarah, and you, you'll mm. see the quality of them is fantastic. Incredible, yeah. yeah. And so then it's just the seed compost, but I know you explained to me earlier that we're moving towards we definitely even with move, that. We've definitely made a breakthrough, we think. Yeah. We have now got a, uh, a material com- which we think we can use for, for the actual plug plants. Yeah. We just need to do some more trials on it, some posting trials, make sure it yeah. it will uh, not fall apart when we post it. Yeah. Mm. And then uh, I guess finally in the packaging. So, I mean, obviously there's loads of plastic pots and stuff and plastic wrap, but all that you say is recyclable plastic. And then... The really exciting thing, whereas here, if I was visiting here a couple of years ago, everything would be in these little mini plastic greenhouses. So they were sent out in the post. Yeah, blister pack, blister we would packs. call them. Yeah. yeah. So much as one thinks the plant loves that because it's like a mini greenhouse, actually, as long as they get sent out to arrive with the customer 24 hours later, which is what we really aim for, cardboard is just as good, isn't it? Well, the uh, the tray we're using is uh, a pulped paper product yeah uh looks similar to a uh, material that a hospital bedpan would be made it out does. of <laughs> <laughs> so but it we've developed that in conjunction with a company in scunthorpe and uh, we're the first company to do that and they're working fantastic mm. we're even working even that we think is working better than the plastic bonds because mm. the, the plant is shaded more mm. As we're packing the plants in those, how we used to, the plastic ones in the glass house, the sun used to hit those and make the plants sweat a bit, but now Mm. they're in this one, they're a lot better. Mm. Mm. And then what I found really almost moving, actually, was seeing them coming out on their conveyor belt and then going to the packing people, and they would go into a cardboard box and no plastic then goes in the top to keep them, the cells of in the base of the box it's just all paper and then even the tape that goes over the top of the box is paper tape not sellotape so literally everything is much 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 more sustainable and that's just such a refreshing sight to see and of course we all need to do that but I personally think we don't sing about this from the hilltops loudly enough you know that we really are doing huge amounts of work and you are doing huge amounts of work research and trialing on every day trying to make things more sustainable, more uh, future-oriented and and better for the environment. Well, you know, we've also been trying to look at least a year ahead with the packaging, trying to be ahead of the game, working with the packaging companies. The packaging companies have been very helpful as well, you know. Mm. They're willing to send us different materials to try, uh, quite willing to uh, make different box samples for us, you know, so like you say, we've made some really fantastic progress yeah yeah and so we're here on one of david's busiest days in the year poor man he's literally got more dispatches going out in the next few days than any other moment in the year but i hope david soon you're going to be going off in your camper van on holiday yes we're hoping to have a couple of days off this weekend so uh, archie the dog is looking forward to it so uh, we'll, we'll get away to the north norfolk coast i think well, it's lovely to talk to you, and I, I hope that everyone's going to be as interested as I am in the whole sort of future thing. And Arthur, I know you wanted to ask David one question. Yeah, I love the fact, and this has answered the question, when I get the plants at home from here, when I order, there's a little barcode, and I now know how useful that barcode on the label is for you, because as your seedlings grow into 
ready for dispatch. You scan the tray that they're on, don't you? And Absolutely, you know yeah. exactly where in this nursery as they're maturing they are because otherwise you'd lose things, wouldn't you? It's, yeah, we'd, yeah. <laughs> we'd never know. So your seedlings, before they get to you, Arthur, they've, they've probably had th three moves into the glass house. Yes. From the sowing, they'd, they'd go into the uh, propagation house. Yeah. When they've germinated from there, they're moved again to, mm. a, to a glass house. And then finally, a few days before they go to you, they'd be moved on to a hardening area yeah. to just toughen them up a bit so that you can deal with them when you get them. And you've been modest because I think all the engineering training you've had has had an amazing effect on this nursery, yeah. looking at all the incredible ways that you're, you've saved a bit of time here and there. And it's been lovely just walking around with you, seeing it all. We've had to come up with some ideas to keep up yes. with Sarah's growth. Yeah. <laughs> My growth. It's grown, it's grown like a sunflower, a pinched out sunflower. Mm. We've done well together, Sarah, you agree? We have. Yeah. We've done very well together. Yeah. No, it's, it's absolutely the foundation stone of, of the whole business and I'm deeply grateful to you, which I hope you know. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And I hope you liked hearing and meeting David Robinson, who runs our nursery. I certainly love chatting to him, as did Arthur. And next we're going to be talking, we're still here on the nursery, actually, and we're going to be talking about the veg that you can still plant now. Tomatoes, courgettes, cucumbers, salad leaves, etc. So see you then. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahaven.com.